Oh, the pressure burns. I think at night she'll look more like her. Like she got it all figured out. And cause of the size of her thighs and the pout on her mouth. Welcome to No Makeup, a podcast sharing authentic stories of really cool women who sign up to honestly and bravely tell us their stories. We believe stories can do a lot. They inspire, they console, and they shape our understanding of the world. So welcome, as we interview women we admire and ask them to, figuratively, and literally, if they want to, take off their makeup and tell stories from the heart. Our podcast is proudly recorded at Vermont Public Radio. Welcome to No Makeup. My name is Tiffany Bloomley. I'm joined by Marissa Parisi, our show's producer, and by our guest, Jane Lindholm, who is a native Vermonter, a world traveler, and currently the host of VPR's award-winning program, Vermont Edition, since 2007. Jane has been involved in radio since joining NPR in 2001, and the, and the question that I have for Jane is really, what drew you to radio? You're a photojournalist. You're a writer. What drew you to radio? Well, I had always been drawn to radio, and I was the kid in college who got made fun of by my roommates as we were all you know, getting dolled up to go out to wherever we were supposed to go out to on a Saturday night because I was listening to Prairie Home Companion in my <laughs> dorm room. So, you know, I had, I think, always had public radio as part of my life. I was a backseat listener from an early age through my parents. And in college, I I felt like, all right, I listen to a lot of public radio, and I appreciate what I'm hearing, and I would like to consider being a journalist, so why not start there? And I actually sent a note to the Car Talk guys, because I, I went to Harvard, and if you've ever listened to Car Talk, you will know that Car Talk Plaza is in Harvard Square. So I sent them a note, and... Didn't hear back until a year and a half later when their producer said, oh, we just found your your cover letter or your application or your note under a big pile of stuff. If you'd like to come in, you can be an unpaid lackey. But by that point, I was actually studying abroad in Chile, and it never worked out. But I did send another note to NPR in Washington. I mean, I think being young and naive is probably one of the best things that you can ever be because... I had this misguided idea that I could send a cover letter and a resume with very little job experience to the president of NPR and have him read it and get a job. And I did. So it was pretty, it was amazing. I actually, he had clearly sent it on. And this woman uh, who used to co-produce a show called um, Radio Expeditions with National Geographic and NPR found it and liked what she saw and offered me an internship. And I said, well, I can't do an unpaid internship. And she said, okay, we'll pay you. So there wow. I there I was in Washington. That's a lesson to all the young listeners right now. <laughs> ask yeah, for a paid brave. internship. <laughs> yes, and ask for a paid internship. Absolutely. Were there any particular uh, female role models that you admired a lot and that kind of drew you to the, the, the medium? I don't know that when I was younger, I thought about gender in that way. But certainly throughout my career, there have been women who have influenced me. And the first in my career in public radio was that woman that I mentioned, the producer of Radio Expeditions. Her name was Carolyn Jensen. She died a couple of years ago, but she was 
amazing and just such a strong role model for me in teaching me the value of sound and the value of high quality editing. And she was a wonderful mentor through my internship. Then she hired me. She helped me find work on other shows at NPR as well while I was there so that I could really try my hand at different types of shows. And I just, I so admire the work that she did to make her life what she wanted it to be, to do this show that was about traveling and exploration and science. But she never let other people twist her arm. She was very confident and calm and wonderful. It's interesting that you talk about um, combining travel and journalism, and and you have visited, I think, every continent except Antarctica, Mm -hmm. is that right? But you're host of Vermont Edition, so you're very firmly rooted here in one place. Is that a struggle? Yeah, I always said to myself in my early years that in my career what I wanted was three things. I wanted to travel, I wanted to write, and I wanted to make enough money to make a living. And I can usually get two out of three. But I I have not found a job that allows me three out of three. And Vermont Edition is two out of three. Mm -hmm. I mean, people don't think of it as writing, but there's a lot of writing and uh, creative scripting that goes into it. And the journalism piece of it has sort of usurped my need to write. But, yeah, I don't get to travel. And I, I used to... Before I had my son, I was able to do some international travel on my own on vacation time. And that has sort of fallen by the wayside for practical and financial reasons. So, yeah, mm. it's, it's quite hard for me. I stumbled upon something that indicated that you um, started work maybe five days before September 11th. Mm-hmm. And, and I was wondering how that shaped your view of journalism and your approach to your work, um, the stories that you cover. Um, Profoundly, I think. It was, I graduated from college in June of 2001. And there are a couple of events that are really tied together for me um, with 9-11. And one of them was the death of my good friend, Haley Surti, who was a college friend. And she and I both worked for Let's Go Travel Guides. And after graduation, we were both heading off to travel. I was going to Spain, where she had studied abroad. She was going to Peru, where I had traveled a lot where when I was studying abroad. And so we had, we had a very close connection um, professionally and personally. And she was killed when her bus went off a cliff five days after graduation. And it was very difficult for me. And real, I really struggled that summer trying to figure out. I left Spain. I came home because I just couldn't work on the travel guide in these cities that just reminded me of her. And so I was really struggling to find my place and figure out what I was going to do when um, Carolyn Jensen called me and offered me that internship out of the blue. And so that to me felt like this fresh start. And then I got to D.C. and was on the train coming out from underneath the Pentagon to go over the Potomac when the plane hit the Pentagon. So I watched that and because I was so new at NPR and had no job experience, the job they gave me, you sort of anybody at NPR turned into somebody who was working on 9-11 coverage, no matter what your actual job was. So I was sort of seconded to Talk of the Nation, which was doing a lot of live coverage at the time. And with very little journalism skills, my job was to call victims' families and see if they wanted to be on air. And 
it was a really tough job, as you can imagine, because you're calling people who are grieving and intruding on this terrible moment for them. But I, I also felt like, ironically, I was in a good position to do that because when Haley had died, there were a lot of journalists contacting me and other writers for Let's Go Travel Guides to get a statement from us about her death and about what it meant. And so I remembered what that felt like and thought pretty carefully about how to approach people in this job of calling them after 9-11 and, you know, pretty quickly felt like, okay, well, my role here is I I will make this call and I will immediately identify myself. So if they want to hang up on me, they can hang up on me right there. And what I found was that people really, in some cases, did want to talk about their loved ones because this was a tragedy that had affected the whole country and the world. And people in many cases wanted to share that and share what was so special about the people who they loved who had died. And so that was pretty powerful to me to learn that. And in doing Vermont Edition, you do hear people telling their stories. And I understand what a privilege that is to be witness to that and to be part of it and to be somebody who, as the host, these listeners are often telling their stories too that they have to have a certain level of trust in you. And I, I think because of those early experiences, I really don't take that for granted. What stories have you covered um, through Vermont Edition that have really affected you? Um, it's been very difficult since I became a parent to do stories on child abuse, um, which has been in the news a lot for a couple of years. I think being a parent has given me a lot more compassion for other parents in understanding how difficult the job is and how difficult it is in the best of circumstances when you have enough money, when you have enough food, when you have a job and you have a support network and you have role models who showed you what decent parenting was like. So I have a lot of compassion for people who don't have those advantages. But I also struggle to understand how you can physically abuse a child more than once and not get help. Have you ever encountered what you would consider to be gender bias as a reporter? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, not not much of it, but and often from older women who purport to be really supportive of other young women. I've I think that's probably true. Most women, I think, in the professional realm have encountered some of that where I think there's a sense of I had it hard who are you? And you better prove yourself to me before I'm going to open up to you. And I, I've felt that from some women in Vermont early on. I mean, I was 28 when I got this job. And I'm from Vermont originally, but I hadn't been living here for many years. It's not like I was any kind of known commodity. So yeah, there were women who I felt like treated me a little bit harder than they might have treated male colleagues because they wanted to be sure that I was worthy. Has that affected the way that you are with other younger women coming through the ranks? Um, I hope not in a negative way, but it's hard to tell. I don't think, I, I think if I had confronted these older women about what I perceived as gender bias at the time, it would have really surprised them. I don't think they, they felt they were doing that. So perhaps it's a natural thing that many of us are doing, but I hope not. I hope I'm supportive of young women and 
all young people who are learning the skills and, you know, of women and men in general. But I don't know. I guess somebody else would have to look at that from the outside and Mm -hmm. tell me in some ways. I want to switch gears to your personal life. As we're taping this, you are expecting your second child. And I'm wondering how being a parent has shaped your work. I don't think it's changed much of what I'm interested in because part of the one of the prerequisites for having this job is you have to be an omnivore because on Vermont Edition, even though we're focused on local and regional issues, we really talk about anything and everything. So part of what I've always felt my job is to be is to be curious about almost everything. So I still am curious about almost everything. I think I, as I mentioned, I think I have a little more compassion for the struggles that people go through because being a parent is really hard. And once you encounter that reality, I think it's different than just knowing it in theory or, you know, having an idea that, oh, that's probably hard. But being a parent is really hard in the best of times. It's wonderful for me anyway, but it's really hard. And well, maintaining... What, what's hardest for you? Um, what's hardest for me? I mean, on a daily basis, it's like, when did I sign up for getting up in the morning and being yelled at? for an hour and a half. I mean, I have a toddler and he's very strong-willed and we're working right now on how he can communicate without whining or yelling, (laughs) but that's an ongoing process. And, you know, I get up at 5.30 or 6 and it's like, great. So I'm just like, I'm a sucker for abuse until I get to work. And so there's there's that, there's conflict, there's, um, you know, sleep deprivation that is ongoing and will be increasing with a new baby arriving. And sleep deprivation is a real thing. It can make life hard. Hmm. Um, There's stress on my marriage. My marriage, I think, is strong still through parenting. But, you know, there are times when because it can be frustrating to parent a toddler who won't go to bed, you know, your reaction when my husband says something, my reaction might be sharper than it would otherwise be. And that's stressful. And there's stress on my career because I'm the main breadwinner for my family. And I am also, I think it would be safe to characterize as the main childcare person. And that's really stressful. And I think for for me personally right now, the the hardest part is I just don't feel like I have much of an independent life or identity apart from my professional life and being a mom. Obviously, um, a lot of our listeners are women, and they tune in to hear the stories of other women because they're interested in their lives and the decisions that they've made and um, the, the values that they hold. And so I, I, I'm wondering, what advice would you give to a 22-year-old Given your experiences? Um, You know, it's tough because one of the things that I have been learning over the last several years is how lucky I was and how many advantages I had in my life. And so the advice that I might give a young person based on what I experienced isn't necessarily possible for everybody. I, my dad worked at Middlebury College for almost his whole career and one of the benefits of working at Middlebury College is that your kid gets a huge tuition 
reimbursement wherever she chooses to go to college. So a third of my college tuition was paid for by Middlebury College. So I got out of college debt-free. And that made a huge difference in my life and in the ability that I had to decide, I'm going to do what I want to do because I'm passionate about it. And I fully recognize that many, many young people don't have that privilege. And so to say what to me was so valuable about exploring what made me happy and what was interesting and exciting and fulfilling to me is not an opportunity that's available to everybody. Um, So, you know, my first instinct is to say, travel, get out of where you're from, learn about the perspective of other people who aren't necessarily like you. But I also want to acknowledge that that might feel difficult to many people. I think there are ways that you can do it that don't involve having a lot of money. I never had a lot of money. I just didn't have to worry about student debt. Um, So that was huge for me. Traveling was huge for me. Getting out of Vermont, getting out of America, living in a place where I was uncomfortable because I looked different or felt different or didn't speak the language was hugely influential on how I I hope I interact with other people. Oh, Jane, there are so many more questions that we could ask, but we run out of time. Thank you so much for joining us uh, on this edition of No Makeup. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the No Makeup Podcast. Tiffany Bloomley is your host, and I'm your producer, Marissa Parisi. Our theme music is written and performed by Giovannina Bucci, and we are proud and grateful to partner with Vermont Public Radio on the production of our podcast. You can hear previous episodes by looking us up on iTunes or SoundCloud or on our website, nomakeuppodcast.com. On our website, you will find cool links and more info about our guests. Sponsors for this episode include Elida Duncan, who did the awesome No Makeup logo, and our friends at Lang Roxbury and Wool. One last note, we want to hear from you. If you have suggestions on guests or topics, head on over to our contact page on our website, Facebook page, or Twitter feed and tell us what you think. Remember, nomakeuppodcast.com. No makeup, no mask. No makeup, no mask. Run is my skin. This beautiful vessel, I, I'm living in.